0: Welcome to episode 43 of the Unstoppable Podcast with special guest Justin Brooke. My name is Dan J. Gregory and I am committed to hunting down the secrets of business mastery and human performance. My goal for the Unstoppable Podcast is to share insights from some of the most successful entrepreneurs, inspiring thought leaders, world-class athletes and prominent celebrities to help you to become unstoppable in business and life. Each week, I'll be bringing you a new interview with an inspiring person and sharing my own results as I pursue the answer to the question, how can I create the ultimate edge of my business, make a significant impact, and live an extraordinary life? Welcome to episode 43 of the Unstoppable podcast and part two of the three-part mega business series. Last week, we heard from Daryl Abansky and learned the formula for creating a seven-figure business. Part of the formula that Daryl shared is T times C equals money, where T is your traffic and C are your conversions. Today, I bring you the go-to guy for traffic and conversions to give you the next piece of the puzzle. Introducing Justin Brooke. Justin has a big heart and he has achieved some incredible results in his time online and his meteoric rise has been due to his media buying genius, his great blog and good old-fashioned hard work. Today, you will discover Justin's story, which shows you that you really can turn your life around. Justin got his start 10 years ago of just $60 in a Google AdWords advertising account and he shortly turned it into six figures. In 2011, he launched a digital ad agency, I Am Scalable, which quickly became a highly sought-after seven-figure agency. Justin has generated billions of ad impressions for his clients, sold millions of dollars worth of products, and has been hired by the who's who of online business, including Mark Ford, a.k.a. Michael Masterson, Rich Sheffron, and Russell Brunson, to name just a few. Today, as founder of the Digital Media Buying Institute, Justin hopes to help others to attain the levels of success that he's been able to reach by teaching marketers how to seriously level up their paid media buying skills. And Justin does all of this while traveling the world and being able to spend quality time with his family. And I became an instant fan of Justin's when he told me that his objective for our interview today was to melt your minds. So kick back, kick back. Get ready for the truth about growing your business with paid traffic. We're going to remove the veil and demystify how to build your business using paid media. Are you ready to have your mind melted? Let's bring Justin Brooke to the mic. Well, big welcome to Justin Brooke to the Unstoppable podcast today. I'm absolutely excited for our session. Justin, to give the listeners a bit of a frame for what you do right now, would you mind introducing yourself and telling the listeners of The Unstoppable show what your business is all about?
1: So for the last four or five years, I've been doing this 10 years, but for the last four or five years, I've run an ad agency. We've done really well, uh, landed some of the biggest names in direct response. And so that's what I did. You know, I, I did people's Facebook ads their Google ads, you know, we've spent millions of dollars on advertising. I've now gone back to my roots of info products help now that I've, you know, done great at the ad agency thing i'm now trying to teach the next flock of media buyers because i saw in my agency it was very hard to hire a good ad guy there's no colleges teaching that stuff so somebody's got to do it i know it i might as well do it
0: amazing amazing so um that's where you are right now let's talk take a bit of a deep dive now into how it all got started where did your entrepreneurial path begin
1: uh let's see I was on a construction site and I was sweating my butt off. And I decided that day that I wanted to have a job. I wanted to never sweat again. And I had this like vision in my head of me sitting on this really nice office chair with like gray crushed velvet. And I was in the – air conditioning, like I was in this like white box really with this amazing chair and a phone. There was a phone, but I think the phone was a metaphor for the internet. So I did, I got into sales And I was in this white box on a nice office chair. And I even went and found a gray crushed velvet office chair. So I built that vision. But then I really, like I did good at sales. I did great on the internet. So I think that's where that vision was really sending me. And so I started in 2007. I landed an amazing internship with Russell Brunson, internet millionaire. And my job was to study his quarter million dollar marketing library. So I got the education of a lifetime but it was like really grueling work because I had to write review articles about all these courses. And I ended up actually like outsourcing that a little bit. I would just take some notes. And then I learned from him about outsourcing. So I had <laughs> some guy in India actually writing the articles <laughs> off of my notes and like I'd send him links to the sales letters and stuff. Uh, that way I could get close with the you know the millionaire. and uh, he taught me, he got me started. Uh, but like I took that knowledge back home, I started a pathetic $60 a month campaign. It's $2 a day, 60 bucks, Pathetic. But I doubled my money that month. I doubled my money 11 months in a row. I had had a six-figure business and that was it, man. Paid traffic is the thing that literally took me from ramen noodle soups to red lobster. And so now it's like that's the thing I'm passionate about in life.
0: Amazing, amazing. So, when did you finally make the decision? Then, obviously, working so closely to a to a really high level mentor like that, obviously very, very powerful and a great learning ground for you. When did you make the decision that you were going to go alone? When did you? When, when did he hit that tipping point?
1: Uh, you know, like when the internship was over, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, actually we, we had gotten along so well that he had asked me to move out there after the internship and I, it was kind of joking, you know, oh, yeah, move out to Idaho. I'm from Florida. Um, that was not a good suggestion, but we ended up actually doing it. And then, um, you know, so like about six months after the internship, we moved out to Idaho, but within two weeks, we both knew that I was not, you know, so he gave me a job as VP of his company and within two weeks we knew that I was, I was not an employee type of person anymore. And uh, so we had this, story about you know who fired who did i quit or whatever because <laughs> there was this friday morning where he called me up and he's like hey you want to go get breakfast and i was like yes because i wanted to tell him that like this isn't working and like technically he fired me because he stopped he started talking first but my whole intention was to quit <laughs> that morning and so yeah we joke around about that
0: it's like a mutual breakup yes yes so i want to talk about some of the biggest challenges you faced but i'd, I'd like to start with you know that 60 bucks that 60 bucks that you started with and how you know that that in itself is a challenge. So how did how did you how did you get that motor moving? What was what was the, you know what was the secret at that point? The secret of getting the
1: sixty bucks to work, or
0: yeah, yeah, I mean that's a big feat. You know, for a lot of people listening to this kind of show, there's people out there. Uh, just to give you context, you know, some of the listeners are, uh, are well-established businesses, but we've got people who are still in their corporate position. They're looking how do they get out there? There's people on a shoestring budget. You know, if it's to turn sixty bucks and build a business out of that, that's a that's a fairly major challenge to start with. So what's, what's the, what, was the, what was the key to overcoming that initial challenge?
1: All right, this is gonna be some real talk. Uh, so it was, you know, Google at that time was an alternative advertising network. Today, Google is like top tier, mainstream ad network, but Google at that time, you know, we're talking 10 years ago, uh, it, you know, It was the type of ad network where you could get really cheap clicks. There wasn't a whole lot of rules. But more importantly than that, Google was where my traffic was. I, and this is the biggest mistake I see everybody making right now. Everybody is on Google and Facebook advertising because that's like what the popular thing is. That's not how you should be thinking about it. You need to be thinking, where is your traffic? So at that time, I was selling a Joomla video course. Joomla is a software very similar to WordPress, helps people build websites. And the problem with Joomla is, especially back then, if you wanted to learn how to use it, think about this. Imagine if you had to try and learn WordPress by reading a book. But not just reading any book, reading a book that was designed by the programmers who wrote WordPress. It was the driest, most excruciating (laughs) reading of my entire life. Okay. And so that's, that was it. That was the only way to learn this. And so I saw this guy had a series of videos and he, I didn't think he was selling them very well based on my quarter million dollar education that I had just gotten. (laughs) Um, so I said, you know, hey, can I pay you for the ability to resell these videos? And he was like, Yeah, sure, give me a hundred bucks. I thought he was going to charge me like three thousand or something. <laughs> so I was like, quickly, you know, pulled hundred bucks out of my pocket or you know, credit card as fast as I could. You know, made the sales page up a little bit better, but you know, all that stuff is regardless. The, the point of this is where I'm really getting to is Google allowed me the ability to put an ad. In the Joomla.org forum, right where everybody's going. So where they have to go to download and learn how to install this software, bam, that's where my ad was, right there. like it, It couldn't possibly have been a better placement. So, yeah, it was a ridiculous $2 a day spend. But I was at the, like, inception point with my ad, and that's what people really need to be thinking about. Where is that super low-hanging fruit, that inception point where I can put an ad that is a no-brainer, people see it, uh, you know, that's where you need to put your ad. And that might not be Facebook. It it may be, but I, I have a feeling it might not be.
0: Wow! Wow! And I want to talk platforms a little bit later on, but yeah. um, for now, let's stick on the kind of challenges and that's, that, just that solution that you came up with in terms of that that unique challenge. That's amazing how you did that, especially getting such <laughs> a good deal from the dude who gave you the video. So that's that's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so I'd like to hear about some of the the challenges you faced on your entrepreneurial journey. Whether that's in a game stuff or strategies, what what kind of what are some of the major challenges you faced on your journey as an entrepreneur?
1: The biggest challenge was in 2010 when I decided to get out of the info product game. So that was I had had some success, uh, you know, like I was just explaining. You know, the course I was selling at that time was, you know, it was a digital course. It was teaching, and um, well, in 2010 it was a really interesting time because I had just sold my business, uh, which was an info product business sold that and then kind of forgot, you know, like I had that big chunk of money and uh, I forgot to just start making more money until I was down to about a thousand bucks and then I had no business. Right. And now I felt like I made this big, huge mistake. And I, you know, there was a time when like all of a sudden bloggers and YouTube and it just changed the information marketing game so much. I mean, in 2007 to 2009, It was easy to sell information because there wasn't a blog post and a podcast and a YouTube about every single topic. Uh, You think about it today, there's all these ultimate guides to everything. So it's, it's a different world. So what I knew was no longer working and I had to create something else and I had no business and I had no money coming in. And so I lost like all confidence in myself. And that was like the biggest, hardest thing to come back from was, you know, how do I be confident? How do I trust myself again? So I went through a long series of trying to pay other people to make my decisions for me by hiring coaches and mentors and masterminds and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, they took me in directions I didn't really want to go. All of a sudden I had like a big company with a lot of people and an office and I'm driving to work and I'm setting alarm clocks. and I was like, wait, I got into this so that I didn't have alarm clocks so I wasn't driving to work so I wasn't working in an office every day like I'm in the wrong direction how did I get here And so that whole thing that was that was hard to overcome and um, I ended up having to learn to just trust myself mm-hmm. whether that meant failure or not you know I just had to trust in myself and give myself permission to make the decisions that I knew I wanted
0: Was there a defining moment when you made that decision?
1: Um you know, there was a defining moment when I realized I had gone all the way down a road that I never wanted to go down. You know, I had this agency. It was great. You know, we made, you know, we had had our first seven figure year and on paper. Life should have been awesome, but everybody was mad at each other. I was working all the hours. Um, and my kids weren't seeing me as much. And, um, you know, so that was a defining moment realizing I'd gone down the wrong road and it was because I let other people – because I was trying to pay other people to make decisions for me. So then I had to start making decisions for myself and very quickly – happiness started getting back into my life you know I, I started remembering why did i do this in the first place what was actually important to me you know playing video games reading comic books having hanging out with my family being able to go to the movies at noon you know those were the things that were important to me and once i started getting those things back in my life everything started becoming fun again and i had more time to think and everyone was happy and and uh, you know we're not making as much money we still do great I'm not making as much, but I'm. I have like the ultimate, amazing life. I just traveled for nine months around the world with my kids.
0: That's amazing. I mean, when I reached out to you about getting on the show, you think, like, "Well, I'm, I'm kind of on the road at the minute. We'll have to put it yeah. in June." I'm like, amazing. Yeah,
1: I'm, amazing. I'm, I'm kind of in Bali in a pool right now. Can we <laughs> you know,
0: check this later? <laughs> That's amazing. So, one thing I want to touch on there. There's a couple of things. Um, when you took that power back to make the decisions yourself, you know that moment. How? What steps did you take to really define what you wanted? Because that—that's a major challenge I see people f- trying to figure out at all levels, whether they're just getting started out or whether they hit seven figures and they want to go where next. How did you when you took that power back? How did you? What did you go through to evaluate what you really wanted?
1: I wish there was like a like a secret or like a, a framework. You know, was, all right, guys, just do one, two, three, and you're boom, you're <laughs> done. You know, take this and call me in the morning. Yeah, you know, it was a lot of just introspection. It was a lot of, uh, you know, there were some tears. You know, there was like, uh, it was very hard and very ugly and very dark. And I just, you know, really had to get honest with myself. That I would say that's the biggest thing. I think, you know, really, really being brutally honest with yourself. And what is it that you actually want? You want, not what you want because that's what society tells you you should want. Or not because that's what your guru says that you should want. But what do you really want? Despite all the money, despite everybody else out there, if you were living in a bubble and nobody else was around in your life, what would you actually want to do? That's a very hard conversation to have.
0: Mm. And
1: um, that's what led me to – the promised land, I guess they'd say.
0: That's, you know, that's where the power is. I mean, this, just hearing you talk about the, the concept of happiness as well, it just took me somewhere because a couple of months ago, I'd been working flat out and I went down to the beach. Um, where I live is a couple, about three, four hours away from the beach. It was a bit of a trek, although no trek in the UK is anything like some of the treks I've been on in the US. Um, but yeah. it, it took, you know, we had this four hour trip to the beach and I sat there and I did my journal. I do a daily journal and I, I just changed the questions, I mix it up. Uh, And one of the questions was, what am I happy about right now? And I just had this mental blank. Here I was at this beautiful beach, the sun shining, my girlfriend was there, you know, the sound of the waves. I was like, I cannot answer the question, what am I happy about? You know, I've been been in that warp, working so hard. That I'd forgotten the things that made me happy. So I changed the question to what am I, what could I be happy about? And all these things came out. And mm. it, it made me realize some of the little things are missing. You know, I'm a big rock and roll fan. I wasn't even listening to music anymore. You know, so now every morning I've got the tunes on to get fired up for the day. And it's just like, gosh, how did I get so warped out, you know, into that in that zone? But it happens, you know, you focus, you focus, you focus, and all of a sudden you hit that moment and it's like, wow, this isn't actually what I want. so so that's powerful
1: I think yeah I think you're onto it with those questions because if I think back to that time you know there was kind of two questions in my mind now that you've said that one was what's making me so unhappy right now because like I just crossed the million dollar line. I should be like amazingly happy. And uh, I have this office and this reputation. And so I, you know, one question was what is making me unhappy? And then you're right. The other question was what would make me happy? And that was, you know, the going to the movies with my wife at lunch and uh, you know, reading comic books and playing video games and, and still making good money, you know, uh, and traveling with my kids. You know, you're right. That question is big.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And, and what have been some of your proudest moments on your entrepreneurial journey today?
1: Proudest moments, um, watching my wife become a CEO. That's very cool. So she, she started in our business as pretty much like she would make my ebooks pretty. Um, so she was a teacher when I was starting, and here I was trying to live this internet lifestyle. I had already started to make some money, and I had to drive her to work every morning at 6 a.m., so here I am still waking up to an alarm clock, still driving a car to a job every morning, and so every morning, I would tell her how much money I made while we were sleeping, and I knew that would eventually get agitating enough to make her want to quit her job, and I said, how much do I got to make in order for you to quit her job, and so she threw out that number, and I went like, you know, Rhino getting to that number and she came to work with me and, you know, she originally just started as like help literally, you know, helping to make my eBooks prettier uh, because she had a Mac computer and she could make PDFs better than a PC could. But now she has blossomed into literally like running my company and her company. And I'm pretty much just a salesman. Now <laughs> yeah. I, I write the blog post, I do the YouTube videos, but she runs the company she hires she manages she thinks of all the strategy you know it's very cool to see that happening now
0: it's amazing that you have the opportunity to grow together i think as well and uh, and enjoy that process
1: yeah yeah
0: so um, before we get into kind of the meat i really want to get into kind of the meat of what uh my goal for this really is i would like to demystify traffic and con- conversions because uh, i used to work in financial services and there's all this jargon all this there's like this veil of confusion within the whole thing, which kind of mislead, it doesn't mislead the end user, but it makes it very hard for people to really understand what's important. And I feel that trafficking conversion still has the, there's there's that element about it. There's this mystique, there's this veil, and it's very, people kind of overcomplicate what could potentially be quite a simple process. So I want to get into that. But before we do, what is your vision for the future of your business now and where, where you are right now?
1: My vision is I have come to terms with myself that I'm not a long-term guy. I I'm a flipper. I don't like to build a company and then keep scaling it. Like once I figure out how this thing makes money and kind of grows, I'm done with it. Mm. Like the moment it's has a glimmer of success, I get completely bored with the idea. And I will at that point then start sabotaging it so that I can make it better again. That's weird, right? But Mm. that's the kind of honesty I have with myself. So I realize now that the future of my business is having a core team that can help me build up a business and sell it very quickly. The moment it starts getting into that point of scale when, when an investor would be like really, really excited in it, that's when we sell. We're not I'm not going to be the kind of guy who builds a company, scales it all the way up and then right before it starts dropping, then I'm going to sell it. That's just not me. Mm-hmm. That's another guy and that's cool that that's his thing, but me, you know, so like I'm building up this new business right now and the moment it reaches about 500,000 annual revenue, I'm going to sell it to somebody for you know, a million bucks or as much as I can. And then I'm going to build another one and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to build another one and I'm going to do it again. I believe with the right core team, I can do that every six months and, you know, have just five people. And I've worked out all my margins and everything. It makes me a great lifestyle and allows me to pay the people on my team a great income as well and have a lot of fun and do a lot of different things. So that's the future of my businesses, building and flipping businesses quickly.
0: Awesome. And if, and if you take the kind of the essence of all the work that you've, you've, you've been involved with date, and where you're going right, right now, what would you say is kind of like, what's the essence of what you're about? What do you want people to know you for?
1: Yeah, it's changing a lot. It used to be, I want people to know me for traffic and I did great at that. You know, I mean, you're, you have me on your podcast right now because I'm the, I'm the traffic guy millionaires recommend. But um, so I got there, I won that goal, and I'm like, "Mm, hmm, I want another goal now, you know. And so I guess what I really want is uh, to be known for being a great father. You know, that's going to be important to me. Um, I want to be known for having amazing discipline and uh, for biohacking. But there's a lot of challenges I have to overcome in in biohacking because I'm obviously overweight. uh, But those type of things I'm very passionate about, uh, about nootropics and and, uh, other things like that. So that's where I'm trying to go. That's that's where I want people to know me for later on is my obsession with productivity, my obsession with efficiency. Those are the things I want to be known for.
0: Amazing. Amazing cool um, okay so let's let 's dive into the meat of it then, so demystifying traffic conversions, paid media there 's a lot of solo entrepreneurs who listen to this uh, this this podcast, and the age old problem of getting people to see your stuff to get attention in the crowded marketplace, you know all these different platforms you 've got available to you now. How can we break it down? What are, what, are, what are the basics? What are the fundamentals? What are the most important principles that people need to know to grow their business and to gain traffic and, and to maximize and optimize their conversions? The,
1: the first thing that people need to change in their mindset towards traffic and conversions is you said Everybody thinks it's mystical or there's a secret or you know, there's some tool or idea or like something is going to help them crack the code. It's never going to happen. Buying media is nothing more than science and math. Literally, that's all it is. It's not magic. It's not mystical. There's no secrets. If ever there was a secret, the secret is it's just science and math. And you would actually learn more about – I'm going to refer to it as media buying, but I mean – paid traffic, online ads, whatever you want to call it, you know, you're, you're buying media online. The secret to me, you'd learn more about media buying by reading a book about poker than you would by most of the courses that are out there about paid traffic. And what I mean by that is in poker, you learn to not be emotional about the money that you push into the pot And for media buyers, the money you push into the pot is the money you push into the ad network. You cannot be emotional about that money. You need to get to a point, whether you gotta fundraise or borrow money or get a second job, whatever you gotta do, you need to be able to have a bankroll that you can put in the ad network and be completely unemotional about the way that you use that money because that money is now a tool. It is not yours anymore. So that's one thing that you learn in poker. The other thing you learn in poker is about odds and math and counting. Like if you really learn about poker, those guys are mathematicians more than they are poker players. The reason they win big money at poker is because they're doing calculations in their head really fast all the time, you know, hours on end. And that's all I do. You know? So for me, when I think about a funnel, You know, I'm thinking, okay. well, if I buy a thousand clicks and clicks cost me on average 50 cents, that means it's about 500 bucks I'm going to spend. So in order to make my 500 bucks back, okay, well, I have a sales page. Well, I can kind of guess that maybe I'm going to have about a 1% conversion uh, because that's kind of what everybody usually has is about a 1% conversion. So I'll start with that number. So that means that if my price is forty nine dollars. In order to get a 1% conversion, that's 100 clicks with one sale. You, know, you do the percentage. That's a 1%. Uh, so the 100 clicks, I'm buying 1,000 clicks. If I have a 1% conversion, that means I'm going to have 10 sales. 10 sales times $49 is $490. I almost made my money back. Mm. You See what I mean? It's just math. Yep. It's That's all it is. And most people should start out writing on paper. You know, when you're designing your funnel on the whiteboard, this is another huge mistake everybody's making. They're putting these elaborate funnels together and then they're spending 10000 $25,000. i have seen ungodly numbers of these people spending all this money on these famous guru funnels and whatever. And then they come to me and want to drive traffic. And I'm like, dude, you haven't even tested that thing yet. I'm not touching it. Don't bring that new funnel to me. That thing's a freaking minefield. You know and then they want to spend five thousand dollars with me and make five hundred thousand. I'm like dude it just doesn't the, the math doesn't work that way. Um, so what you've got to do is you've got to come up with a very basic funnel understand the math behind your funnel and then start from there and, and build it bigger so that you you know the goal is to start with a very simple math formula and then expand upon it and make your math formula better and better. Call it your economics, your math formula, whatever. That's the true goal. That's what you really should be working on. Am I making sense? Or is that to total, my level?
0: No, total sense. Yeah, yeah. So just one question. Have you already always had like a mathematics scientific brain, or is that is that something you developed <sighs> oh over god, time? Oh
1: my god, dude. It literally and it four years to pass algebra one. Right. You know, so And and I still think they just pushed me through at the end. They were like, just get this freaking guy out of my class. Um, I cheated off of my wife in geometry class and literally slept through the finals. And the teacher was so pissed at me for sleeping because she was like, why won't you even try? And I was like, well, based on my averages, I should probably get a D. So I don't even need to do this test. I'll just, you know, D is a pass and she was so angry at me for thinking that way, you know. But it, when I say math, I'm talking about really basic stuff. Yes. And I know math scares most people, but I mean really basic stuff like one percent, ten percent, you know, basic addition, subtraction, you know, nothing complicated.
0: No, that's cool. I, I think that's reassuring. And when, when you break it down in terms of right, here's the funnel. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes I made early on in my uh, entrepreneurial journey is that I, I didn't I didn't do the math. I didn't calculate how many, you know, how much money did I predict that I would need to spend based on a set of conversion metrics that would result in a profit. I just I was just gung ho. I just here's some money, here's an, here's, a, here's a basic funnel I've built. Let's spend some money, and then at the end of it, oh look, there's no sales. Oh dear, there's some problems. Right. Right. So what I established that it was possible to create sales with the funnel. It wasn't necessarily the funnel was a poor converting funnel. It was the fact that I needed to spend more money to get to the conversion level to generate that sale. So that was, that was one big lesson I took, you know, in terms of understanding the metrics. But of course, when you got those metrics, you can then zoom in on each piece of the puzzle to understand where the funnel is leaking.
1: Absolutely. And that's the other thing. Everybody blames the traffic, but it's, that's like, the store blaming the billboard for not being able to get sales. (laughs) You know, it's like you at the cash register are the one in the store. The billboard's job is only to get people to walk in the door. When that person is in the door, that's when you can make the sale. And that's what I explained to all my clients. It's like, look, I'm an ad guy. There's certain things I can do on my end. Like I can target the right people. I can help get your click prices down, but When I send that person to you, it's your job to make the sale, not mine. I cannot physically do that. Your funnel, your landing page, is what's going to create the conversion. And everybody's always like, "Oh, I spent five hundred bucks on Facebook. Facebook doesn't work." No, Facebook (laughs) works. It's your funnel that doesn't work.
0: Absolutely. And what what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen then in terms of those the the funnel, like the funnel leaks or the funnel? know where the salesman hasn't shown up to do the job what's the what's the what's the biggest leaks in the funnel that you see
1: oh man i just wrote a very controversial article that like took a life of its own i'm still answering questions about it i wrote an article about why using a squeeze page is like burning your money and i explained the math behind using a squeeze page in your funnel for some people it's great i would not be able to sell my services or my consulting without a squeeze page, because it's like a $10,000, $15,000 and more purchase. You're not going to drive a Facebook ad to a $10,000 sales page. It's not going to work. But a lot of my clients who are selling a $49 product or a $100 product or a bottle of pills, putting a squeeze page in front of that decimates the math formula. It it just puts you in such an uphill battle. And everybody was commenting about, well, yeah, you could follow up with them and you could do this and you could do that. And what if I had this amazing squeeze page? Like, yes, you can break the math formula and make it work, but why work that hard? You can just create a better, easier math situation by going straight to the sales page. And so that's one of the mistakes that I see people making with funnels is they just default To Oh, well, I should use a squeeze page because everybody uses a squeeze page and because I want to have a big list that I can promote things to. And, you know, but like, have you actually thought about the math in your thing? You know, maybe better to just drive to the sales page. And wouldn't you rather have a big giant customer list (laughs) rather than a big giant freebie list? You know, and so... People still, it's like a very, that concept is still like melting people's minds and I'm trying to help people understand it, but that's like the biggest thing is they're not understanding that they, you don't have to just use the same funnel everybody else is using. You can create a right size funnel that matches you, your business, your market, your offer, and makes your, you using the right size funnel. You could just very easily have a profitable campaign instead of having to, instead of having to work hard.
0: That's awesome. Man. And the other thing is it's, it's, it seems to be quite short-sighted because you know, I've been to plenty of different content or sales pages where the content was amazing or the sales page was amazing. I didn't buy necessarily, but I still ended up on their list via a different channel because I was blown away with what they had. It, just, it doesn't, doesn't mean it has to be in that one instance where the squeeze page you know, destroys the mass, as you say. Uh, I think it comes back to that poker mentality. It's the fear-based mentality that if you don't put that page there, then all of a sudden you've lost the opportunity of that single lead. But actually, if you do a damn good job on the sales page, even if they don't buy, they're going to come back and find out more about what you do.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I would tell everybody to look into Agora uh, or Stansberry Research. You know, this company has 750,000 people on their list, but they're all buyers, you know, and so when they run a webinar, they make millions instead mm-hmm. of when they run a webinar, they make 25,000 or a hundred thousand or what most people are bragging about in the internet marketing circles. They run a webinar, they make $3 million in 24 hours, you know, so that's the power of having a giant customer list. And, you know, sometimes you need a squeeze page. So yes, it's just, it's about the math. I can't say it any other way.
0: So what's the, what's the key to attracting a buying audience? What's that? What's the key to attracting a buying audience?
1: Uh, It's breaking up a little bit. You said the key to finding a buying audience?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: So here's my thoughts on that. Everybody buys. Like, you know, there's like, you know, I don't want to target non-buyers. I only want to target buyers. If you think about it, everybody's buying stuff. Everybody has a couch in their living room. Everybody has a TV in their living room. Everybody's buying groceries. Everybody's buying something. Okay, so you just have to figure out you know, what are your people buying and why are they buying it and and put yourself in that path of the money. And I I don't think there's any such thing as like non-buyer traffic or buyer traffic. And, you know, it's just a matter of how you create your offer. Did you put enough urgency and scarcity in it so that they would actually want to buy today? Because you could come up with a very good offer and they're just like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I want to buy this someday. But mm. that's the kiss of death. When they mm. say, I want to buy this someday, you need to make it so that they want to buy it today. You know, and that's the biggest thing. So I don't subscribe to the idea that there's buyer traffic and non-buyer traffic. Everybody gets a paycheck on Friday and it, everybody spends it by Monday.
0: Mm. Mm. So what's, what, what would you say is the key to standing out now, you know, with, 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 in terms of traffic? How does someone capture the attention of their buyers?
1: Value. You know, the, the biggest way you stand out right now, everybody, and I mean like everybody, is they're trying to get sales with trickier and trickier ways, you know, smarter and smarter exit pops and exit intent and, you know, one click upsells. And like they're, you know, I, I, I put up this image on my fan page once of this guy holding like, 12 different weapons. That's how I see most people's sales pages today. It's like this marauder holding all these different weapons, trying to figure out a way to trick and manipulate the buyer into buying. Instead of screaming louder, instead of having more pop ups and more widgets on your pages, more value. That's what makes the sale. You know, when you create that epic blog post. That people are like, wow, this is amazing. This is something I've never heard it explained this way. You immediately start looking like, what does this guy sell? You know, what wh- what can I buy from him? You know, that's just the default thought human beings have when you give somebody value. They immediately start thinking, how can I pay you to keep giving me this value? Because value is the drug. Mm. Mm. You know. And so that's how you stand out. You stand out by having epic blog posts or podcasts or YouTube videos or or whatever it is. And then you use a couple of smart tricks on top of that, like video retargeting instead of just regular retargeting. And I mean like the same code you would use to do retargeting. You can use that same code to show a video to them on Facebook, or show a video to them on Twitter, or YouTube, or all of the above. And what do you think is going to convert better: showing them a banner ad or showing them a three-minute awesome video? Wow! The, the video, you know? yeah. So of use a couple of the tricks, sprinkle the tricks, but massive value. You know, that's why how you stand out. You know.
0: Well, retargeting is, you know, that's taking a really, that's, that's taking the headlines recently, I guess, in terms of the the latest kind of must have technology and tools available to marketers. What's the, um, what are the most important things people need to consider then when they use retargeting?
1: So, one, retargeting is not list building. And a lot of people are thinking of it like list building. It's like, oh my God, I now, don't even have to have them opt in. I can just drop a pixel and ha ha ha, they're on my list, right? I can just start targeting them. That's, hey, I thought of it that way as well. So I understand it. That's when I first started retargeting, that's in the thoughts I had. Let me retarget everybody so I can show them all my ads. And then I quickly learned that that's a really, really good way to blow a lot of money. So if you think about it, people that land on your website, a good bounce rate is like 60, 70%. It's a decent bounce rate. Okay. That means that 60, 70% of the people that landed and that you just cookied, pixeled, whatever you want to call it, never were going to buy, anyways. They didn't even like your web page. They just they looked at it and they were like, Err, no, this isn't what I want. So that means 60 to 70% of the money that you're spending on that audience is being wasted because they never wanted it in the first place. So the first thing you got to do with your retargeting is make sure you're retargeting the right people. Wow. So whether you use software or hire a coder to delay your pixel, um, there's you know you can you do it with tag manager, Google Analytics, and there's code that you can use. I don't want to get techie, but delay your pixel for a little bit, you know, 30, 45 seconds. Let those bouncers get out of there. Then pixel the people who actually liked what you had to say and show ads to those people dramatically changes the money. Now, 100% of your money is going to people who actually liked what you had to say, even you know, moderately. You know, mm. instead of, you know, 70% of the money was going to people who never even liked what you had to say. And now you're trying to make money with 30%. So that's the first thing to do with retargeting. Second thing to do with retargeting is don't be so basic about it. And I don't want to use the Ronda Rousey phrase, but there's a lot of people that are being that basic person about retargeting. They just have an ad. It's like, hey, did you mean to buy this product? Or, hey, we saw you on our website. You know, weren't you trying to buy this product? That's like the super basic default way of doing retargeting. Instead, key in on the benefits of your product. Show testimonials. Imagine this. Somebody comes to your website, and because you dropped your pixel after 45 seconds, you know it was actually somebody who kind of liked what you were about. And then all of a sudden, everywhere they go, there's testimonials for you everywhere on the internet mm-hmm. because you're using retargeting. You know, that's better. That's much smarter. Smart. Yeah. And then start using videos. So they come to your blog and then, you know, they were on there for more than 45 seconds. So they liked it. And then all of a sudden they start seeing more content from you when they go to Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. And it's like, oh, man, this guy is just value everywhere I go. He's giving me all this value, is all these cool things. And, and then at the end of all of them, you always say, you know, and, you know if you like this stuff, you're going to love my product. Do that enough, and they're going to buy. It just, they cannot not buy. It's the law of reciprocity. It's a law. It's mm. not a theory. It's not the theory of reciprocity. It's the law of reciprocity.
0: Mm. That's, that's some really gold nuggets there. That's some really powerful, powerful tips. And you said it's not uh, necessarily effective for um, list building. What are the primary functions then for, for uh, retargeting? It's just straight, off, straight up to drive sales?
1: Yeah, I would, I would, well, it, it depends. I mean, if you're consulting, you're coaching, you have, you know, masterminds, you know, if you have a high priced product that you're trying to sell, well, you got to do lead gen. You got to build a list, get that person to know you, like you, trust you enough to want to spend, you know, five thousand, ten thousand dollars with you. But if you're selling fish oil pills or basketball equipment or yoga mats or, you know, $100 info products, drive them to your sales letter mm-hmm. and and make your sales letter educational. Make your sales letter. And, you know, imagine if your VSL, you know, had, was valuable and actually taught a lesson and then on the back end had a pitch. You know, that, that type of stuff is a one-two punch.
0: That's cool. That's cool. And in terms of list building... I I come up with this concept recycle lead magnets. You know, people are just taking the easy road when it comes to list building and I just don't think it cuts it anymore. I looked at my my laptop hit capacity the other day and there's all these downloaded files that I've collected over the years but never really looked at and it may have got me on a list, it it may have done its job. But what what is what is the key in two thousand and sixteen to attracting leads, building a list? What are what are the key things right now?
1: So you know, free. Rep- first thing I'm going to say is, I. you know, when I say these things, I often get co- misconstrued to it's like the death of, like, because I just mentioned something about squeeze pages, there's somebody who's listening who thinks I said squeeze <laughs> pages don't work. That was not the conversation. And what I'm about to say right now, I'm not saying free reports don't work. Obviously they have, and they've worked for many, many years, but there's things that work better. That's what I'm saying, you know, and so free report, free video, that's a default thing. That's a basic thing that you can do and you might get some opt-ins with it. And if it's a good enough headline and a good enough template, it might actually work for you. Mm -hmm. Or you can have a free spreadsheet and people just fight over themselves to opt in. You know, like I regularly get 60 and 70% opt-in rates because I'm – my lead magnets are things that people just desperately want. Like one of them is uh, 50 ads that have made a million dollars or more on the internet. People in my market, you know, my audience, newbies and veterans alike are like, yes, give me that. I want to see that. Or I've got another one. It's a spreadsheet of 200 different places you can get traffic from. Yes. Give me that. You know, it's like, what is the, You know, not to advocate drugs or to make them sound good or anything, but like (laughs) what is the crack cocaine of your market that they want? And in my space, it's proven ads and proven traffic places. So that's what I give them. Give them exactly what they desire. So tools, free trials, free memberships. The best squeeze page I ever ran was a free membership site. Get access to all these uh, videos and these tools and these documents just you know become a member name email uh you know put in your password well, when they be when they register for a free membership site or a free piece of software what are you getting you're getting their email address it's mm. just an advanced type of squeeze page you know? and so that was the best one ever I was even able to advertise it on Google in a period where nobody was able to advertise squeeze pages on Google a few years ago. Here I was with a free membership site, and Google loved it, and people were opting in by the buttload.
0: Amazing. I, 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 call, it, I call it give them the burrito, not the flyer, because um, I give an example. I was walking in a city nearby me. I was walking down the street, and in the same street, two different restaurants offered me their lead magnet. One gave me a flyer about their cafe. And the other one gave yeah. me a mini burrito. <laughs> I, right. freaking, I freaking that was a target customer. I love burritos, so I got my burrito, and of course, I became a customer. I've gone back. I got real, real value. I was able to implement by consuming right. it immediately. And I, I, I say, when it's online or offline, it's you want to give something people can chew on. You know, give them something good, something tasty, and that's, that's exactly yeah. what you just said there. And I, I, I love that. And I
1: think, I think a lot of people, the way they're thinking is like, if I give something too awesome, why would they buy from me? because I just gave them something awesome. No, it's, I know that's how it sounds logically, but it's illogical because when you give somebody something awesome, the next thing they they want more awesome, you know? And so give something that's amazing in value and then they'll want to buy more
0: mm. from
1: you naturally. It's just, it's how the human brain works. They can't not think that way.
0: Amazing. Um, Something I want to touch on at the beginning of the conversation, you talked about your experience when Google was the alternative. You had that mm. rich opportunity where the people were starting to use Google to that kind of level. Are there any platforms or emerging technologies or channels right now that are kind of under the radar, but there's a lot of people kind of flocking to that the listeners need to know about?
1: Always. There is always an alternative ad network. It's just, how the ad industry works, you know, somebody, there's always a a top guy and then there's a guy who's trying to be that, beat that top guy. And so like right now, native ads is like the really hot thing. And the top guy is Taboola. Everybody knows about Taboola. Even if you're not advertising on Taboola, you probably have heard of it or Mm. Yahoo Gemini. Mm. Well, the guy who's trying to beat them is rev content. And in the ad world, the way the game is played, in the beginning they have very cheap clicks and almost no rules because they don't have a lot of customers and they can't they can't have a lot of rules and have expensive clicks and also get a lot of customers mm-hmm. you know it's just not the way supply and demand works and so there was a time when Google was the new guy and Yahoo had already been established and AOL had already been established, and that's where all the top guys were advertising. Google was the new guy. And so you could go in there and you could advertise just about anything you wanted and you could get five cent clicks. But today it's not like that anymore. Now that they have a lot of customers, they can make up whatever rules they want, they can make up whatever prices they want. But Rev Content and other ad networks like them, they still are hungry. They still need that customer base. So I'm not saying you just get away with anything on Rev Content, but there's a lot that mm. you can get away with, and they have cheap clicks, and it's good traffic. It's the same traffic that Taboola would have. I mean, literally, the widgets are on the same websites, but uh, it's just a little cheaper. You have less compliance headaches. There's a lot of ad networks out there. There's mediatraffic.com. There's revcontent.com. There's... Um, I'm having a brain fart right now. I can't think of them all, but there are people like most people in their minds, there's five ad networks. And I would blow your mind to tell you that there's like a hundred or more.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: You know, so there's a lot of alternative ad networks out there. And then there's just direct buys, you know, just buying directly from the website owner and people are scared to pick up the phone or do a medium amount of a negotiation. And I'm telling you, if you'll be the guy who will do that little bit of extra, you can make a lot of money.
0: That's also. Awesome. I remember back in the day watching Gary Vaynerchuk on Wine Library TV, and he literally, in a live video, it wasn't live at the time, but it was pre pre live video. But mm-hmm. he on the video, he just he just went on the web, googled googled a complimentary business on the phone, had right. a, had a conversation about a, a deal they could be brokering, and within within three minutes, he had this opportunity, yeah, because he had he had the brevity to go and do that.
1: Exactly, and it, and I remember that video, and he didn't say anything that was masterful or like advanced negotiation tactics, or he just literally dialed and asked.
0: Smiled and dialed. Yeah.
1: You know, and nobody's doing that. And it's, it's literally that easily. So many times, like if I called 10 people right now, I could almost guarantee three of them would just say yes, because nobody's ever asked.
0: Yeah. So I mean, have a couple of years back. I remember when faxes were still around, people would say, just send someone a fax because they'll never expect a fax to come through. But the same is through a phone calls now. You get a freaking phone call. You're like, who's this guy?
1: Right, yeah. It's like,
0: <laughs> wow, that thing still rings? Yeah, exactly. So before we, uh, I've, got, I've got three final questions, but before I ask the three final questions, you, how important is diversification when it comes to traffic? Because, you know, you talked about how you know, Google is now able to put all those rules in place, and you might have that amazing funnel that you've set up, but then all of a sudden they change the game. How important is it for people to diversify their traffic sources?
1: It's very important, but I would say it's like number three or four on my list. You know, First, it's about where is the right traffic, and then it's about your math situation. Like Those are the things that are actually going to get you to be able to spend money and make money back. And then once you have that ability, once you start making some money in your advertising, you very quickly need to diversify because, you know, ad networks go out of business. They change the rules. Uh, the government changes their rules. There's a lot of different things at play, uh, you know, including just, you know, maybe people don't want to buy your offer anymore. Right now, nobody would want to buy a flip phone, you know, and so it's very important that once you finally get that right size funnel and you understand the math and all that stuff diversify very quickly. That is that then becomes your number one goal.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, Justin, I think we've done a great job of demystifying the art of traffic and conversions. Is there anything that we've missed? Is there anything I haven't asked you that would be really important for people to know right now?
1: Um, You know, real quick, I'd like to touch on something called, I call the traffic Hail Mary. And the traffic hell Mary is how everybody's buying traffic right now. It's like they get 500 or a thousand or whatever they're comfortable with. Maybe it's 60 bucks. They get however much money they're comfortable with. And then they put it in the ad network. They put like one landing page. Maybe they have a sales page. So many times it's just their homepage or their website. They stuff a bunch of different targets in there. It's like this hope and pray mentality of buying ads it's not the freaking lottery. It doesn't work like that. It's not you know put your money in and then close your eyes, cross your fingers and hope you make money back out. It's it's there's actually a science to it. And so the way you should be buying traffic is you have whatever your money is, your budget, spend 20% of it and test different segments of the market, different ads, different landing pages. You want to be learning with that first 20% as much as you can, and then use the next 20% to verify what you learned to see if it wasn't a fluke and if you can actually recreate those results. And if you can, then spend the rest of your budget trying to scale that up. You know, Be strategic and systematic with the way that you spend your money. Don't just lob the ball and hope somebody out there catches it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Justin and I were speaking before the show and his objective was to melt our minds. and I think he's done that. There's been some amazing gold content throughout this session. I cannot wait to go back and listen to it and take notes uh, on the session. I hope you guys listening have been able to do that. If not, go back and listen. There's been so many golden nuggets. So we're going to now enter Justin into the final round. I've got three quick fire questions to finish up our session today.
1: All right.
0: So number one is if you had to start from scratch knowing everything that you know now, having learned everything that you've learned and made all the money, et cetera. And you were having to start all over again, which I guess in a way you kind of are with what you're doing right now. What would the, yeah. what would be the advice that you would give your uh, self?
1: Content, <clears throat> you know, focus on really good content and use a little bit of advertising dollars to help your content reach the right people. You know, it's like giving it a little bit of a spark and, you know, that's, that's
0: the way to win
1: right now. The way to win right now is not create the most epic squeeze page and try to spend as much money on ads as you can. The way to win is, you know, through content, use your money strategically to reach your audience and, and, and then they'll buy something from you.
0: Amazing. <clears throat> the second question is, what is the most impactful business book that you've ever read? S- second most impactful? The most. Oh, the most. Um, <laughs> that would have been a random question. I might try that out next time. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you yeah. it's it's really a toss-up between the Go Giver and the Ultimate Sales Machine. You know, I those two books have made me the most. I'd probably have to go with the Go Giver. Um, you know, that's probably the, the backbone of my business, and then a lot of the tactics I use come from the Ultimate Sales Machine.
0: I love that book. Just the other day I was, I, I had this panic moment. I couldn't find it. Uh, there was, I, I there's a specific chapter I wanted to go and reread. It's such a powerful book. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't find it, but I managed to find, I did have it. I did have, a, I did have an e-, e copy of it, but I couldn't find my, my hardback. I was so upset, but uh, yeah, great book. Um, the final question, Justin is what does it mean to be unstoppable to you?
1: Unstoppable is in the mind. Really? You know, it's for me, it's about trusting myself and, and caring about what I actually want and not letting the haters phase me, not, you know, working for the haters. Um, that's being unstoppable. Like when you don't care what other people think, when you're not, you know, basing your decisions based on what society wants you to do, then you're unstoppable because who, who can stop you? Not your haters, not society. It's just you.
0: Amazing. Well, Justin, I believe you are unstoppable. Thank you for unleashing your greatness on the show today. The final thing is how would the listeners find out more about your work, your new projects? How can they connect with you?
1: Uh, easiest way is just Google Justin Brooke. I've dominated like the first couple pages, (laughs) every other Justin Brooke in the world probably hates me. Um, you probably, my, my YouTube channel, everybody loves that. So go on YouTube and search Justin Brooke marketing, um, you'll find there's over 100 videos there my blog iamscalable.com forward slash blog Uh, that's where you'll find a lot of good stuff
0: awesome all the links will be in the show notes today justin thank you very much for your insight your incredible gold consider the minds melted you've been a rock star today thank you so much for your time on the show thanks for having me well my mind is melted how about yours As always, I'd love to hear about your own takeaways and insights on today's show. So please do come and leave a comment on the blog over at danjgregory.com forward slash 43. I'll be sharing my own insights on Monday's show coming up, where I'll debrief on today's interview and share even more Unstoppable insights with you. So be sure to tune in on Monday and subscribe to the Unstoppable podcast to make sure that you never miss out on an episode. Also, be sure to check out Justin's new business, the Digital Media Buying Institute over at dmbionline.com. That's dmbionline.com. All the links in today's episode can be found in the show notes. That's part two of the mega business series complete. This mini series is all about giving you the tools to take control of your destiny by building your own profitable business online. If you examine how all of the top paid digital digital entrepreneurs structure their businesses, you will find that they all include a high-value signature product, service, or coaching program as part of their overall business mix. I've just launched a brand new webinar where I teach you the exact five-step process that the pros follow to design, create, launch, and sell out their signature offers. So be sure to check out my exclusive free training by registering now over at www.danjgregory.com forward slash webinar. I give you everything that you need to get started in this comprehensive, instant access training. So claim your spot today at danjgregory.com forward slash webinar. Coming up next Thursday, we have part three of the mega business series with Jody Jellas where we're going to dive deep into how to create the most important components within your marketing funnel. But that's all we have time for this week. So tune in on Monday for the next episode of the Unstoppable podcast. Until then, go out there, unleash your greatness, build your empire, make your impact and live your ultimate life. You are unstoppable.